You are now listening to Changing Lives, a podcast presented by Mount Gilead Full Gospel International Ministries, hosted by co-pastor Elena Robertson. Hello, welcome to Changing Lives. As we are changing lives with the Word of God, we're so glad that you join in with us this morning. We have a very special guest today and um this week that we've been uh, in is actually Mental Health Awareness Week, and we've had some dynamic sessions called Mind What Matters as we dealt with uh, mental health, uh, depression, anxiety, um, even mental health from a male perspective, and even with our young adults and, and um, teenagers. And uh, we got quite a few questions from those sessions, and we want to make sure that we do due diligence in addressing those questions because it's important that we get the answers, we get the truth, so that we can govern our lives in a way that we can flow in peace and with the mind of Christ. And so this morning we have with us um, Minister Pranity Battle, and she's going to share some things with us and help us to answer some of these questions. But I did want her to start out talking about depression, but let me tell you a little bit about her. I know she's been a previous guest, but for those who don't know her, she spent uh, several years in active duty uh, as a naval intelligence officer. She traveled the world, exploring life and all that it has to offer. Wonderful. Dora Dora the Explorer. Her servant leadership and passion for helping others reach their goals led her to become a certified speaker, teacher, trainer, and coach with the John Maxwell team, as well as a certified master life coach. So for the past 15 years, Prentity has served in the behavioral health industry as a qualified mental health professional. She holds a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and psychology, as well as a uh, a, a certification in Christian uh, coaching and professional coaching and mental health coaching. So you are a coach at heart. All right. And so uh, she serves well here at uh, Mount Gilead. And so we're just thankful for the work that she does within her community with teens, young adult women. And um, and then also she serves as overseer over the Mind of Christ ministry that we have at Mount Gilead. And um, we're thankful for um, her working with a team of, of dynamic uh professionals as that are uh, coaches and teachers and uh, in the mental health field as well as herself. And so we say good morning to you, Minister Pranity, and uh, we're thankful that you're tuning in. And so as I mentioned, um, we, we've been talking about a lot of things this week uh, within the Mind What Matters sessions. And so we want to get into those questions. But before we do that, we want to give you an opportunity to share a little bit more about depression. I know that when we uh, shared with uh, Pastor Tracy Parham that she talked about uh, some depression. Um, but I want you to just say a little bit more about depression. And, and I understand that you, you're yourself as well, have dealt with depression. And um, so just go ahead and, and, and tell us a little bit more. Well, thank you, co-pastor, for an opportunity to be with you this morning and the, um, the opportunity to be able to minister in such this capacity. So uh, many of our listeners have heard of my testimony about overcoming depression, depress- major depressive disorder. Uh, depression looks different for everyone. 
Yes. Most of the time people think that, oh, the person's just laying in bed and sad and downcast, not taking care of themselves, but you actually have some functional depressives, which is what I was. I was still going, going out, going through life. Um, I was still going to work. I was still serving in the military. I was still going to church um, and everything, but I was depressed. And um, unfortunately, that's in that season, depression led me to, I wanted to commit suicide. And what I learned is I was not garrison my mind. I was not minding what matters. I was not minding my thoughts. I was not paying attention to what um, I was thinking in those times of depression. So when you look at each individual person, you have to look at depression per person. Um, sometimes depression can look like unhealthy relationships, you know, those unhealthy attachments, those toxic relationships, just needing that, that, that someone there to fill that void. Um, or someone could have a major uh, financial uh, problem like going shopping, trying, again, trying to fill that void. Um, right. They can fill that void with food, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, um, sex. Um, they could try to fill that void. And that's, there's, a, there's um, different stages of depression. And again, it looks very different for everyone. And I don't want people to really get an, uh, um, get an idea that depression is such cookie cutter. Right. It looks the same across the board because it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it can affect your, your skin. It can affect your internal health. Uh, for me, my hair fell out. My body literally started to shut down. And um, I mean, just every aspect of my life really began to be affected by depression. And it all had to do with what I was thinking. And so a lot of times with my clients and other people that I come in contact with that has mentioned depression, I ask them, so in those depressive times, what are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? What are you yeah. thinking about? What's on your mind in that moment? And many of them say, you know what? I don't even know. Okay, well, there's one problem because you're not even minding your thoughts. You're not even paying attention to what you're thinking. So what I want you to do is in those moments, stop and think about what you're thinking. I guarantee you 100% of the time is thinking about doom and gloom. It's right. thinking about, oh, this is the no end. This, this is the end of everything. There's no turning back from this. This is, everything is downhill from that. Oh, it's not one thing, it's another. All of those cliches that we've grown up listening to, not realizing that those things have begun to take root in our spirits. And now they're causing other, we're dealing with the fruit, which depression is a fruit. Right. You know, and so what we really have to think about is what we're thinking about. It sounds simple, but really it is. And a lot of, you know, I don't want to minimize depression because again, depression is real. And, and people, and I know for me, I got to a point where I felt depression. Like it was heavy. I mean, it was literally like a heavy weight on me consistently. So there are days when I didn't want to get out of bed. There are days when I didn't want to eat. There are days when I didn't want to do anything because I was just, I felt this physical pain and ache and it was depression. Right, right. And so we have to be mindful of these things and really be able to um, fight the good fight of faith in our minds. Really, really fight that battle because 90% of the time, or really 100% of the times, the battle is always in our mind. Many things that we think are going to happen don't happen. But we always go to the worst. And so when we have a pattern of that, that really just sends us into this spiral um, in a dark hole. And um, that's never a good thing. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's it's in and, and, it, and it's a gamut too as well. I talked about a spectrum with mental health, and so it's the same. You can take any uh, disorder, which depression is a d- disorder, and you can be it can be on the mild state, and it can go all the way to the extreme where it's manic depression. And so, but just like you said, it's but it all boils down to what you're thinking about, and um, if you don't learn how to be a steward over your mind and the thoughts that come across your mind, you have control over that, right? And so if you don't do that, you know, day in, day out, it becomes a discipline of not controlling your mind. You know what I'm saying? You have trained yourself not to control your thoughts and not to put them in check. And the Word of God talks about bringing every thought, every, it said every thought into captivity. So that means the good, the bad, but but either way, that means that, that that is a process that you bring every thought into captivity and make sure it lines up with how Christ would think, how Jesus would think, what lines up with the word of God. And so, um, and so like I said, it, it touches everybody from even teenagers, you know, and even if you don't watch it, because it, it even with our younger our children, you know, uh, is something that we have to really train uh, ourselves up in um, from our early age to learn how to deal with our thoughts. Because a lot of times with the younger uh, generation, it's uh, connected to those emotions. And so those emotions are what try to govern how we think and how we feel, you know. And uh, as I mentioned in previous sessions, that our emotions are not, um, you know, God gave us emotions so we can feel, so that we can know how to, you know, to to um, to interact and to react and how to care. All of those things um, that we know what we need to tweak, you know, um, but it's not meant to be something that is sustaining, that stays within, you know, our being. And so, and so we have to learn how to manage those emotions. And a big part of managing emotions are managing the thoughts that come along with those emotions. And so, um, so, but you know, so depression it hits everyone, but every person. Just like I said, it looks different on every person, but each person deals with it differently. Some people, you know, it may present itself to them, but they're able to ward it off because they're managing their thoughts because it's a constant thing. It's not just, okay, well, yesterday I cast down this imagination. Now today you still have to cast it down. You still have to cast down whatever is is toxic, whatever is um, negative, whatever doesn't line up with the word of God, whatever is not true. You know, because even factual evidence, even factual things, if you meditate on them long enough, you know, that is what will cause you to think, oh, this is going to happen again. It's going to come upon me. It's going to overtake me, you know. And so you have to know how to deal with even factual things that may be going on. You know, of course, we're in a season where we have COVID, we have racism, we have a lot of unrest, all kinds of things are going on. And people losing jobs, people, you know, are dying, all those things. But you have to know how to manage that and say, okay, what what do I do with this? You know, and so with we as Christians, we have we have an anchor, we have a hiding place, we have um, a place where we can go as safety and give him these factual things to say, God, what do I do with this? How do I govern my life? according to what's going on, you know? And so, but so many people are doing the opposite. And so with that, it comes, you know, uh, more trouble, 
more, more worry, more doubt, more fear, all of those things, you know. So, um, but yeah, so depression is something that, you know, we can manage um, if, if we really, like you said, deal with those thoughts. So I wanted to go ahead and get into some of the questions um, that came out of our session <clears throat> mind what matters. And um, one of the things, as I mentioned about depression, it, it affects teenagers as well. Um, so one question came up, what are some warning signs that our teenagers may be experiencing that issues that they're not sharing? So um, one of the great things about what I do in the community, as well as in the church, um, I work with a lot of teenagers. And I would consider myself very young at heart. Um, and there are just certain things that I pick up on. And as parents, um, if you have a teenager who used to be very talkative, very, you know, mom and dad this and want to engage, and you, know, you have the typical, when they get to a certain age, they start to withdraw from their parents, but they still communicate with their parents. They still right. talk to them, they still share with them. So if you find your, your teenager beginning to withdraw from you, um, more than usual, um, begin to hide things. Um, like say, if you walk into their room and you know you see them, you know putting things to the side, or you know you, you see them on their cell phone, and then next thing you know you, they're turning the cell phone over, or you know closing out the screen when you walk behind them, or they're getting very defensive when you're trying to, you know, you pay the cell phone bill, so you should be able to look at the cell phone. Right. Um, but they're, you know, becoming very defensive when you're asking for the cell phone, or when you're seeing things on their social media page, um, you know, and, and I think every parent should be, if you allow your child to have a social media page, you need to be your child's friend, you know? Exactly. You need, yeah. You definitely need to be knowing what's on your child, what your child is saying. I mean, just even just the most recent um, situation, even someone in my family that I had to address one of my, uh, my God sister about her son, something that he had on his social media page. And I'm like, why didn't you know this? You know, why are you not his friend on social media? Now it's this huge situation. And so when you begin to, when you begin to notice that your child is not forthcoming and not as engaging as they used to be, then as a parent, you need to ask some questions. You need, you need to put your phone down <laughs> and begin to uh, engage with your um, child, communicate with them, ask them the questions that even the questions that may make you uncomfortable as a parent you still need to ask your child those questions. You know, if your child all of a sudden has these new group of friends, you know, that you don't know anything about or, or even their dress begins to change, mm -hmm. you know, how they dress. Right. Or, you right. know, if they're becoming more defensive and more um, mouthy <laughs> towards you as a parent. Yeah, right. be asking some questions and, and beginning to um, effectively engage with your, your teenager. Really, really, and but something that you said, Co-Pastor, even if you take it to the preteen and the, um, uh, the, the early ages, like maybe, you know, eight or nine, when you begin to have those effective uh, conversations with your child, by the time they get to teenagers, you know, that, that lines of communication are already there and you begin being able to talk to them and they know they can talk to you as a parent, as a parent, not yes. a friend. Right. 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 That's good. You know, I mean, all of us, everything that we do when it relates to people is really the foundation is relationship. So, you know, so when you have that relationship or you work at that relationship and maybe you're in a situation where, you know, um, 
it's a rocky relationship, or maybe there's just no relationship at all where it is, but it's just not a good one, you know? And so, um, but that's, that's what you want to work at because sometimes when you don't have those relationships, you can come at somebody or try to help somebody, but if they don't have that relationship, which along with that relationship comes trust, comes a track record of, okay, you, you, you have my best interests at heart. You love me. You care for me. Um, I may not do everything right, but, but, but you don't judge me in such a way where you're coming down on me all the time. So it helps to, to have those relationships built up so that when situations, when they encounter situations, because we can't be with them 24 seven, we would like to be, but we can't. And, you know, and I remember my older adult children, you know, like you said, I, I had all their social, you know, their social media, you know, when they were growing up, it was just coming into play. Um, but back then they had cell phones. I had cell phones. I had parent control over every single thing. Now, and even with that, still there's things I didn't see, you know, I didn't know, you know, but, but at the same time, it's the Holy Spirit was my cutting edge. The Holy Spirit was my helper. And he would let me know certain things. And sometimes they would be like, well, how do you know that? It's like, okay, I have a spirit and the Holy Spirit. He knows all the things, the, all the secrets and all the things that are going on, you know, and I would always pray, Lord, you know, you know, Holy Spirit reveal, you know, what's not right so that I, as a parent can be able to help, you know, help them, you know, and so definitely keeping a pulse, you know, you know, checking, asking certain questions, you know, and sometimes it's just, just here and there, you know, you don't have to grill them, but just asking questions. How's you, how are you doing? You know, tell me what you think about this, you know, they're in the car, you're driving and you just strike up a conversation about something that they don't even know, you know, just like I did with my daughter, Mariah, you know, uh, sometimes she likes to watch YouTube. I got parent control over it, but still, even with parent control, there's still things that I'm like, mm, I'm not necessarily kosher with that. And so I would started asking her questions you know, about this particular show, even though she didn't know that I knew she was watching it, you know? So, but um, I asked her questions and I began to say, you know, what I found out about this show, um, that it, it's not the most godly show, that there's certain things in it that that really aren't um, uh, good for our souls, that that the enemy uses, you know, to try to put little things in our spirits that um, will pull us away from God. So there's all kinds of ways that the Holy Spirit will lead you and show you how to engage with them, you know, to to um, to help them along the way. So, um, but, you know, um, I mentioned about secrets. You know, there's one question that we received and it says, when I was depressed, the root cause was secrets. Can you talk about the effects of secrets? And uh, of course, uh, most of the time when we're keeping secrets, it's definitely something relating to something that's not necessarily positive um, or the best thing. I mean, we all have family secrets, you know, and things that go on in our family that we don't necessarily want uh, people to know. And so I think there's a difference between secrets and those things that ought to be kept in confidant, those things that you don't have to tell the world. You don't have to tell everybody, <laughs> you know. However, when we know that there are secrets that are toxic, that um, that if they're not dealt with, then it, you can think that you're sweeping it under the rug, but we know that if you keep sweeping certain things under the rug, after a while, you're going to see a a, a bump, a lump, 
something, you're going to see that. And in the natural, if you, if there's a bump or something under a rug, you're going to be walking across that one day and you're going to trip, stumble, fall over that bump. So, you know, we may think we're hiding it, but it's going to rear its ugly head after a while. And the, the, the toxic thing about secrets, bad secrets, secrets that, you know, aren't dealt with is that it torments the person that has the secrets, you know? And so if that person is not able to come to terms with those things and bring it to light in a healthy way, um, then it will continue to wreak uh, fear, um, uh, just anxiety, um, and then it can lead to depression because, again, those, those secrets are... It's information that you're meditating on constantly. Or oh, what if it comes out? And and uh, sometimes when you constantly hold secrets, it will come out because the word talks about what's done in secret will come out in the open. And it's better for you to manage what comes out in the open, not suppress it, but manage what comes out as opposed to it coming out and you're not able to have control over it. You know, and so so I say, you know, that if you're dealing with secrets uh, that are toxic secrets, really pray to God and seek um, godly counsel to go to someone that you can hold in confidence and begin to share. This is what's been going on in my life and I need to know how to handle it, how to deal with it. And uh, and sometimes even like you said, with Thoughts, some thoughts you may think of things that could happen that might happen. They never happen. But the trick of the enemy is to 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 not let you in on that, that uh, those thoughts, he wants to make those thoughts as real as possible. So if you have those secrets, you may be thinking, oh, well, this person, you know, uh, knows this about this and and this is what happened. But if you never deal with it, you may never find out that, oh my gosh, that was a major mix-up. This was a major untruth that causes those secrets to be suppressed. And so that's why it's important to seek counsel, seek godly counsel. Not everybody that says that they're a Christian counselor are really lined up with what we truly believe. So it's important that you go to, we have a ministry here at Mount Gilead called Mind of Christ Ministry. Go and ask for a reference, you know, um, Ask for a reference from your pastor, you know, if you're not a member of Mount Gilead, um, but seek godly counsel. Those people who are believing what in the word of God, not just somebody that says, oh, well, I want to reach a broader audience of people. So I'm going to put Christian counselor under my resume. No, you got to watch out for that. And so, um, so, but yeah, we, you definitely have to deal with the secrets. It doesn't mean you just let it all out. No, you manage how they're released with godly counsel. Yes. Come Pastor, something else about secrets, and a lot of times what I've found is, and even in my own life, um, we keep secrets because they're embarrassing. Yes. Us. You know, we don't want people to to um, to know those things, so we we keep them inside, not realizing that they are just, you know, eating us, you know, bit by bit. Right. Um, and it comes with a lot of shame, too. I mean, shame will shut you down, you know. Yes, it will. And so, you know, even for that person that asked or anyone else that's dealing with the secrets, you know, it's only embarrassing if we allow it to be. Um, when we seek that godly counsel, that's a safe place. 
Yes. You know, you know, Psalms 91, it says, he who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The great thing about that, as you are abiding under that shadow, Holy Spirit is going to lead you to the right person that you can share that with. Yes. So now the devil don't, no longer has that hold on you, that embarrassment, that shame of that secret that you're holding. And you will, you will realize that once you release that secret in that safe place, then that weight becomes lifted off of you and you become, your shoulders become lighter. You can yes. lift your head up higher that you don't have to worry about those things anymore. So tell me this. So what, what if you're dealing with a loved one who, who, need, who wants help and it's evident that they want help? Um, or need help, but they don't want outside help. You know, they don't want anyone else to come in. And it's probably because it's related to secrets or things that they feel like, okay, it's not safe to release this because someone's going to judge me. Someone's going to think wrongly of me. They're going to stop liking me. They're going to disassociate with me, all of those things. Um, And so, but they keep telling you, you know, about this is what, you know, I'm feeling this. Like, you know, you could tell that they had showing signs of depression and anxiety and things like that. So, so what's your advice for someone that's dealing with that? Um, be who you are to that person, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a sibling, whether it's um, a child, um, you know, your sister, your brother, whoever, be, be, be a sister or a brother to that person. Give them, continue to give them that safe place to come and talk and even become a companion to them. You know, if you really want the help, I'm willing to go with you. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm willing to go with you to talk with this person until you become, until you get comfortable enough to do this on your own. You don't want them to become dependent upon you. So you can do like a, a stair step thing, stair, stair, da- um, stair step down to where you go with them to a couple of sessions. Um, and then you begin to say, okay, well, now I'll go with you, but I don't have to go back there with you. Yeah. You know, just be that companion, walk them through their journey because it's, it's thinking not strange that they trust you enough to come to you and tell you what's going on. Right. Or, you know, they, they know that you're a strong tower. You are that shoulder to lean on and they can trust you with whatever it is that they have going on, but you only limited to a certain degree, but you still love them. Right. And you love them enough to walk with them through their journey. Um, and, you know, you have those people that want the help. You, like you said, that spectrum. So you have those people that want the help, are willing to say, okay, I'm, you can go with me. To, um, you know, I appreciate you going with me. Let's go. And then you have the people on the other extreme that say they want the help, but still not willing to make the necessary steps right. to do it. Um, with those people, you still have to love them where they are. Yeah. We yeah. have to really show forth the love of Christ, the genuine love of Christ. Even though, you know, they've come to you 20 times about this same thing, you can't show annoyance. You know, you can't say, here we go again with this yeah. because that makes people like, well, if you're doing that to me, someone else is going to do that to me too. Right. I've gotten to the point where even with close friends who come to me with the same thing over and over again, I'll say, okay, so look, is it that you're coming to me because now you want the help or you just want a sounding board? Mm-hmm. Because a That's lot a of difference. Times, yeah. yeah, it's a huge difference mm-hmm. because a lot of times when people come to us as a sounding board, we try to offer help. And that's not what they came to us for. Right. So when you have that family member, that loved one that's on that, that extreme end that keeps coming to you and they're not ready for help, you could ask them, so, you know, what, why are you coming to me this time? Right. You know, what is different? Are, are you ready to take that next step? 
to get the help that you you say you need and say you want or are you just needing me for a sounding board at this time and it really takes the pressure off us and them to say okay you know what maybe i do and there's and you we're still loving them yeah, we still, you know, got that right tone in our voice, um, and not that annoyed tone tone in our voice when they come and talk to us. So just being mindful of those things. Find out where your loved one is, and minister them, minister to them where they are, not where we are. Right, right. And then you gotta, like you said, that's a key point, right there. Find out where they are because there's other ways that you can give them help. Because it's obvious that they're coming to you. Yes, they want the help. You know, and they're th- thinking that maybe you are the one that can help them. So, so seek wisdom. Maybe, maybe you can uh, reference uh, a message. Maybe you can uh, reference a book or something. Um, and you know, or maybe you can say, well, let's 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 read this book together. You know, or something like that. You know. So there's all kinds of ways that we can seek wisdom of God. Well, how do I help this person? You know, until they get to a place that maybe they want to go out you know, in another way of receiving maybe clinical help or something like that. So, so that's, that's really good. Okay. And so, um, the other thing that I wanted to address as another question was, um, a question came out, how to get past disassociating when it starts to affect your health, meaning now you don't know how it feels to not be in it. Um, so we're taking this from the standpoint of this person is dealing with anxiety, um, and there's certain things that um, that they can tell that it's 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 not affecting their health in a good way. So they so they want to know how to get past disassociating with it when it starts to affect their health. So one of the things when you recognize that it is affecting your health is you have to make either drastic steps or baby steps to disassociate yourself, um, detach. I will tell you for me and everyone, you know, everyone is different. I I immediately cut ties. When I see something that's not healthy, that's not um, that's toxic, that's really affecting not just my physical health, but also my mental health, I, I'm like, okay, no, this is just, you know, there are certain things in life that we do deal with um, and they, they, we deal with them to make us stronger. But when we find that it's really affecting us um, spiritually, emotionally, socially, financially, we need to disassociate ourselves as quickly as possible. Because right. what I've learned in this, this life, um, especially in this country, we become very tolerant of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very and that tolerant of things becomes, we become desensitized to those things that we need to detach ourselves from. So when you begin to, whether you're taking baby steps or whether you're taking that giant leaf and cut, pulling out the scissors and cutting it off, you still need to recognize how it's making you feel in that situation. Is it pulling you away from God? Is it making you question your walk with Christ? Is it, you know, contrary to uh, contradicting what you're reading in the word of God, what you know the truth is, not what the facts are, but what right. the truth is, 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 uh, is it all those check marks being checked? Is it pulling you away from Christ? Is it causing you some, some emotional pain? Is it um, abusing you emotionally, um, physically, um, you know, financially? However that is, it's time to disassociate yourself. And now it's time for you to start to develop your new norm. Yeah. And that kind of answers another question. It says, when I'm pressured in different situations, anxiousness tries to come over me. If I don't step away from it, any suggestions? So, so yes, I think that covers um, that question. Um, I know that, you know, um, with the mind of Christ, um, with the 
Changing Lives podcast, I did several messages on dealing with the mind of Christ and even some other additional messages dealing with the mind. And that's a major part of my suggestion is you got to keep the word of God before you. And um, you you can't keep staying in a toxic environment and thinking things are going to change. You can't just hope it away. You literally have to take steps and measures. And like you said, some of it is pulling away, you know, and God may allow you to reconnect, you know, when you're strong enough. Um, but you know, the, the, the other thing is, is the, what you're meditating on. You get, we're always meditating on something. We're always thinking on something and you have to make the conscious decision every single day, all throughout the day that you're going to meditate on the right things. You have to discipline yourself that when the wrong thoughts come your way, that you put them in check, that you captivate them, that you cast them down, um, and that you begin to think on those things like Philippians uh, um, talks about whatsoever things are lovely, just, honest, pure, full of virtue, praiseworthy, those types of things. I mean, the word of God is just such an anchor, you know, when it deals with the mind, because all through it, I mean, I'm I'm looking at some of my scriptural references that I have (laughs) dealing with the mind of Christ. It goes on and on and on. And we can look in the book of Psalms, even um, when David, he dealt with certain things and it showed us how in his you know, uh, depression that he was dealing with and the things he came up against, how he dealt with those things. His anchor was God. His anchor was his relationship in God. His anchor was the law, the precepts, you know? And so, um, so that's what we have to make sure that we do. And so, you know, so if it requires you listening to a message over and over and over and over again, if it requires you making a sticky note, putting a reminder on your phone, and, and you know, uh, Sister Cherie talked about it in our session, um, dealing with mental health uh, under the Mind What Matters series. So go back to that, listen to, you know, those messages to see what people who had testimonies like yourself um, and, and, and others, and myself too, you know, because even my testimony is that that's, you know, I, I'm not have not necessarily been delved into, you know, these disorders myself, but they certainly have presented themselves to to me. But I thank God that I've, I've had the word in me and enough to know and been taught enough by my pastors and and those who have been mentors and those who have been coaches in my life, you know, what to do when these things present themselves to me, that I don't have to be overtaken with anxiety, that I can govern my thoughts, you know. And so it's so important. So that's how you get unstuck. You know, you have to do something different than what you were doing. So if you're constantly thinking on the wrong things, you're stuck in that. And the way you get unstuck is that you have to shift your mode of operation, you know. And so having your daily devotion, that's something you don't want to skip. You know, you want to, you know, wake up in the morning and not allow your mind to wander about all the things that you have to do that day, but you want your mind to be shifted to God is my source. God is my strength. God is my all in all. And then worshiping him and then getting into his word and meditating and praying. Um, you know, all of those are things that are, they, they're our buffer. They're our foundation. They're our anchor. They're our um, protection, you know? And so, um, so that's an everyday thing. So that's a maintenance 
that we need to do. That's our maintenance for depression, our maintenance for any type of other type of disorder, anxiety, you know, uh, uh, even suicidal thoughts. It's the thoughts that causes you to want to commit suicide, you know. And so when you're not dealing with those thoughts, checking those thoughts, um, you know, nobody cares about me. Life is not worth living. Uh, this is the way I can solve it. No, 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 no. The answer, the anchor, you know, it, it's it's in God. It's in our relationship. He tells us how to think. You know, when David was dealing with uh, a bounty on his life, you know, he was he, he had to get his thoughts straight. You know, he had to say, I put my trust in God. You know, my trust is not in my own intellect. My trust is not in my job. My trust is not in even family members. And we thank God we have family members that we certainly can depend on. But come on now, there may be a time when they're not going to be there. They, there may be, you may be out somewhere and you, you need help, but it's God that will be with you always at all times. And so, so that's what you have to develop your discipline in. And that's a word you probably have heard a million times, but that's what we have to do to have uh, a spiritual uh, maintenance and uh, dealing with our minds. You got to clear out the gook, clear out the, the wrong thoughts and put in the right thoughts. And you have to do it every single day because we have an adversary that does not relent, that every single day, all throughout the day, he's trying to shoot those arrows, those fiery dots, and he's hoping that it will get in. But when we recognize, oh, the dot is coming up against us, we put up our shield to keep it from coming in, and we protect our minds. And so that's a major key in um, maintaining what we do um, and, and staying unstuck, you know, and I, I want to say this because the enemy will twist anything that he can to, uh, to work against us. So if you are stuck, you know, the enemy wants to condemn you with that. You're a Christian. And why, why, how did you get stuck? How did you get to where you are? You know, it, at this point, you, you, you have to shut him down and just recognize where I am is not where God wants me to be. That's a truth. And so now I need to move forward. And so I can look at how did I get stuck later on and what do I need to do to keep from getting back in that trap. But don't allow the enemy to keep you further in that trap by condemning you, by shutting you down and making you feel ashamed, making you feel like, you know, you're, you're, you're so wrong and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes, there is. Shut him down by casting him down, putting him in his place and, and, and embracing the fact that God has grace for us. He has mercy for us. He has redemption for us. And we can start afresh. We can start anew. And when you cry out to God, he hears you and he will answer you. And all you have to do is, is just embrace his love. And so I think that you know, that's a key thing. And and so we've covered quite a few of our questions. Um, and I just believe that the Lord's going to give us an opportunity in the future to um, to have the Mind of Christ, uh, the Mind What Matters series to, to come forth uh, uh, here and there. So be on the lookout for that Mind of Christ uh, dealing with uh, Mind What Matters. So I mentioned earlier, Minister Pranity, that you were overseer over the Mind of Christ ministry. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to share a little bit about that ministry. It's a church ministry. And we even, you know, we even have a heart to help 
others who may be listening. You may not be a member of Mount Gilead. Maybe you're a member of another church. Maybe you're even a first lady or pastor and, and, and you recognize, okay, especially now more so than ever before, how important the mind of Christ is. We're available. We will help you. We will show, show you how we started our, our, our ministry um, and all of that. But just share a little bit about what our ministry does, um, what we focus on, and how we help in our our church family and in and also in our community. Yes, Mind of Christ is such a a very vital ministry. And the great thing about Mind of Christ is we we literally connect with other ministry within our church as well as in the community. So it's not just you know um, we're we're isolated ministry. No, we really join arms with other ministries within the church as well as in the community to be able to serve um, our community as a whole. We are grounded in the word of God. We have the mind of Christ. Um, we understand that life situations come, but the, the word is our answer. And yes. we uh, minister to people from that position. We love them. We find out where they are and we love them into where they need to be for, uh, for Christ. We have uh, our visionary team is absolutely dynamic. They are, we have advocacy and awareness that we address. We have um, marriages that we in relationships that we address. Um, we also have um, an education piece where we do um, trainings um, on, you know, just diff different disorders and um, whether it's within the church and as well as in the community, we also have several people on, um, on the visionary team who are licensed therapists and counselors um, that minister from the word of God, who are true Christian counselors. And the great thing about it is we, uh, we all work together. We all, every joint supplies, we figure out what the people need and we minister to them from there. And it's such a joy to be able to um, oversee that ministry um, because um, mental health is a passion of mine. It's part of my calling, not just part of my journey, but it's part of my assignment here on earth. And, um, you know, when God had given you that vision to birth that ministry out, it was just like so many things we became more and more aware of um, that we needed to address even within the church. And yes. so that begins to spill over into the community. Um, what, like you said, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a first lady, whether you're a leader, whether you're an overseer, elder, whatever role that you play, Mind of Christ is here to be able to support you. And we also have um, a resource um, a, a portion of Mind of Christ, whether we have resources, connect you with resources within the church, as well as in the community that we trust. Right. Yeah. That we trust. And so we go from there. So it's, we, we, we cover everything. And, um, and if you ever notice that someone that has um, dealing with some mental illness, they also have some financial issues. So we have, you know, a connection with economic empowerment. And so where people can help you get your finances in order. So um, Mind of Christ is such a, again, it's one of those vital organs <laughs> that yes. we have. And so that we consider the Mind of Christ a vital ministry to be able to effectively serve those who come to us um, um, for assistance, whether it's um, being connected to us via the church or sending us an email, uh, reaching out to us on our, our Facebook group, whatever it is, we're here to serve um, the church and the community as a whole. Right, right. And so to contact, uh, contact at this email, mindofchrist at mountgileadfgim.net and the Facebook group is called Mind of Christ Ministry. So certainly be a part of that um, and just share as much as you can so that we can help 
those in the body of Christ, and even those who, you know, we, we need to reach to the world too. You know, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Today, and we have that. I want to thank you so much for joining us this uh, this during this session. Minister Pranity certainly has been a blessing, and I look forward to many more opportunities to share the truth about the mind of Christ and to set the captives free. Thank you so much for joining in us with us. And so again, I remind you to revisit some of my previous podcasts on the mind of Christ. I know it will be a blessing to you and help you to further understand about this mind that God has given us, the mind of Christ. And so I say to you, be blessed and flow and operate in the mind of Christ. This has been another episode of Changing Lives. Be sure to subscribe to stay updated on new episodes. Also, find us on the web at mountgileadfgim.org and follow us on Instagram at mountgileadfgim.org.